Hi guys, happy new year and welcome to the first brand new episode of 2022. This feels pretty exciting to me for a few reasons. Number one, I realized the other day that I started this podcast in 2017. So 2017, 18, 19, 21, 22, that means we're going into our fifth year of the Rachel Hollis podcast. And back when I started, it was called something totally different. In fact, it's had a couple of different names over the years and ultimately just became this space where I could hang out with you and interview cool people and ask, I think, interesting questions, at least to me, and talk about stuff that's going on in my life or lessons that I've learned. And I just wanted to start by thanking you for being along for the ride. And whether this is your first episode ever, hey girl, or you've been a listener for years, I just really appreciate the opportunity to keep showing up with you every single week. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I'm excited for this first show back in the new year to kick off year five. I'm also excited because truthfully, this is the best I've felt in about four months. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I'm feeling really good this week. I'm feeling really, I feel like my energy's back. I feel really clear and focused and um, feeling strong after a very hard December. And it just feels great to be here with you guys and to feel that again. I don't know if you've experienced, ever gone through a really hard season, whether it's a season of grief or a season of health problems, but coming out the other side of it, you just have such a freaking appreciation for a simple day where you feel good. And that's where I find myself as we start this new year, which is why I wanted to do this particular topic to kick us off. And that is health, the mindset for what it means to be healthy and to look at how you want to pursue your health goals in 2022, but also to redefine all of it to shake it up and not go into this year with the same resolutions that haven't served you with the same like, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I want to be this size or I want to, you know, six pack abs or whatever. There's all of these health goals that we've been taught to reach for, especially in January every year. And I've just gone through a really hard, beautiful, kind of traumatic in some ways couple of months with my body and it just is giving me such a different perspective. So I thought maybe you and I could talk about our health today 
And maybe this conversation helps you to rethink of your own. And damn, if your goal is to run an ultra marathon, like I'm freaking here for you, dude. Like, let's do this. Let's get motivated. Let's go. But I just want us to pursue our health, to pursue our bodies, to pursue all of these things from a true perspective of what's going to make us happy and what's going to give us life and what's going to bring us joy and give us the energy and the strength that we need to live the life that we want to live as opposed to doing things or pursuing things in health because you think you're supposed to or because you think that the you know your life will be happier if only you would look like that woman on Instagram or your life would be better if only you were like the bro who had you know really cut arms or whatever let's just have a conversation let's just get real that's what I want to talk about today all right where do we find ourselves right now? I, I've been doing a big check-in with myself this week, and perhaps this is a great opportunity for you to do a check-in with yourself when it comes to health. So if you haven't listened to the episode I did a few weeks ago about my miscarriage, that probably is a good place to start because that will explain a lot of what's been going on with my body. But just a quick catch up on that. I have for, I guess, sorry, it's still a little hard for me to talk about. So I'm sorry that I'm stuttering a little bit. So I was pregnant. I was pregnant and I had um, had a few months of being pregnant. And then in December, I went for a routine checkup and found out that the baby had died. And after that process, I had to take medicine that forced my body to miscarry because my body hadn't done it naturally. And it was really brutal. Um, And I think, honestly, you don't have to go listen to that episode. It's pretty sad, I think, because I'm basically just crying the whole time. But it was brutal. It was brutal emotionally, mostly emotionally, because obviously I was dealing with the loss of a child and all that that encompassed. But also I was really hormonally so imbalanced, like crazy, very, very sad, very low lows. And it was super hard because it was over Christmas and I was with the kids and, you know, you do that thing where you sort of fake it for them when, you know, they're around. And then after they would go to bed, just have like a good fall apart. And it was really hard. And I think what's so awful about a hormonal imbalance like that, whether it's because of something like I went through or whether that's something that you're walking, maybe you just have a hormonal imbalance. Maybe, you know, you're going through menopause, maybe you're estrogen dominant, maybe you're, you know, going through IVF. Like women's bodies are so complex and so many different things can throw us off. And the hard part is that when you're in those hormones 
everything that you're feeling feels very real. So yeah, I would be so upset over things that I can look back now and go, man, that that that's not even real. You, you, the thoughts that you were thinking or the things that you were worried about, I can now with a clear mind understand don't matter. But at the time, really were screwing me up. So I spent, oh gosh, three and a half weeks, I think, um, bleeding and cramping. And just when I would think that it was done, I would, you know, start again. And that felt really daunting and very discouraging to me because I was already grappling with everything. And then on top of it, you're, you know, just to feel physically just having really bad cramps still so much time later just sucked, honestly. And so dealing with that, dealing with being really sad, and then dealing with a, a feeling about my body that I have never experienced before in my life, which was um, feeling really angry at my body and feeling disappointed and sad and all of these things really directed at my body in a way I'd never felt before. And as I come into a new year and really this week is the first time, not just, you know, all of December is kind of a wash for me because of everything that was happening, but even the three months before, because my hormones are so whacked naturally. I don't know if you've heard me talk about, I have estrogen dominance and I've been on a big journey to balance my hormones, but I just felt like this is the first time in four months that I feel like my mind is clear, really. And it's that I feel like I could run a marathon right now. Like it's the first time that I sort of have felt like myself in four months. And I'm just sort of stepping back and kind of looking at all of this and having gone through this new thing. And I wonder if any of you are experiencing that as well. I spent New Year's with a group of friends in Cornwall uh, in England. And one of my friends who was there is going through menopause. And that was really, you know, interesting to talk about. And just also side note, like, damn, being a woman, oh my God, you guys, like, yes, it's like beautiful and magical, but also we have to deal with so much stuff that men do not understand and will never have to understand. And just like a couple times during that week, I sort of like went off in my own head about how much we have to figure out and manage that dudes don't have to. So if you're a dude, go buy some flowers for literally any woman, your mom, your your wife, if you have one, just like a random stranger on the street and be like, Dude, here's some flowers. It just it's harder for you on about 57 levels. So, sorry. But all of that to say, I was feeling really good this week and I went to hot yoga for the first time in 4 months. I got to go to hot yoga yesterday for the first time in 4 months and I legitimately cried. I had been doing yoga consistently for three or four months before I got pregnant and I loved it. And believe me, no one was more shocked than I was about how much I loved hot yoga. 
but it had become a practice. I went several times a week. I have a studio that I love. I had teachers that I loved. I was so proud of myself. I was My body was so strong. I was surprising myself weekly. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And then I found out I was pregnant and you can't go into saunas or hot room, jacuzzis. You can't like be in heat like that when you're pregnant. And so very sadly, I had to give that up. And I absolutely still did yoga and can do yoga. But if you have done it and you love hot yoga, doing regular yoga, it just doesn't feel the same. It's sort of like doing yoga inside of a sauna. And so it just, your muscles are so relaxed. It feels so good. So it just wasn't the same. I was really pumped that I got to go back yesterday. But I went back knowing that it was about to destroy me. You know when you haven't done a workout in a certain amount of time and you're like, okay, this is going to hurt. Maybe some of you are experiencing that right now. You started a workout program at the beginning of a new year on like everything sore. That was me. I knew it was going to be hard, but I wasn't worried about it being hard because I was very excited to get back to the practice. I was very nervous about looking at my body in a mirror. If you listen to the podcast about my miscarriage, I told the story of um, not being able to look at my body in the mirror. So one of the harder things, kind of like a psychological mindfuck, honestly, is that my body, bless it, didn't, it's like it didn't process that the baby had died. So it just stayed being pregnant. Like I had a full-on belly, boobs are huge, nauseous, the whole thing, even though the baby had died. So I didn't have any indication that this thing was happening because I was still feeling like I had been feeling. And then after I had the miscarriage, my body was still full-on belly. Now, when you have your first baby, it takes forever for your belly to pop. But basically, every pregnancy after that, you look like you're four months pregnant almost immediately. And this was my fourth pregnancy. So I had I had a total belly. Like I was wearing baggy clothes. I was covering it up. But if I had worn tight clothes in public, people would be like, oh, Rachel Dunn got herself knocked up. Like she got a baby up in there. Even after the miscarriage, I would look in the mirror and I had a full-on pregnant belly. And it really was just so upsetting to me. I Every time I saw it, I would start crying because I just, I was crying for what I had lost. I was crying for my body. I was crying, just all of it. And then I realized at some point, I realized I can't, I just can't look in the mirror anymore. I know that sounds really weird. And I was trying really hard, like every psychological trick that I knew and I should overcome. And my mission in life is to, you know, help women and, and that we should love ourselves and all these things. Like I know all of that stuff. I know that it's jacked to get to a place where you're so upset with your body, you can't look in the mirror, but that's where I was. So I was like, instead of every single day being triggered like five times, I'm just not going to look in the mirror. And I didn't. And I I didn't over Christmas. And then we went to England for New Year's and we were staying in this old, 
I mean, maybe every house in England is old. I mean, it's shocking to me. They're like, oh, this house is from 1702. I'm like, what? You guys are wild. All the mirrors were like small. There were no full length mirrors. So it was very easy to not look at myself in a mirror. I came home from that trip. And then in signing up to go to yoga, it was going to be the first time that I was in front of a full length mirror. And in hot yoga, you're like wearing, you know, yoga leggings and a sports bra. You're, you don't wear a lot of clothes because 10,000 degrees. And I told my boyfriend before I went, I was like, I'm really, I'm honestly, because he's like, oh, you're nervous about not having done a workout there in a while. And I was like, no, I'm honestly worried about looking at my body in the mirror. And I got there and walked in and immediately like walked to the back of the class and like went to go set up in the back of the class, like as far away from a mirror as I could get with the intention that somebody would sort of come in and get in between me and the mirror. And I was doing it just like viscerally inside me. My body was like, fuck this. No, nope. Because this body that you don't want to look at is the same body that is about to carry you through this practice and you need to honor it. It's dishonoring that you want to use this body to help you achieve something but can't love it for what it looks like right now. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I went and set up right in front of the mirror. I just took a moment because I was there before class started. I took a moment. I was just looking at my body in the mirror and I have, I'm going to guess 10 to 12 extra pounds still on my body. And as a side note, if you've never heard me say this before, caring like weight is who cares? It doesn't matter. It's, it's the least interesting thing about you. It's something that is used to make people feel like crap. Like weight doesn't matter. The only reason I'm saying the pounds is because it just gives you an idea and why that matters is I'm 5'2", so 12 extra pounds on me looks and feels very different than 12 extra pounds on someone who's six feet tall. So I'm looking in this mirror, and I honestly barely fit into my yoga clothes. I'm like spilling out of them. And in you know tight yoga pants, my belly is like hanging out over the top, and I'm just sort of having this narrative with myself. And I said in my head, and so I said this thing in my brain that I would never say to myself, but instead of sort of going like, oh, don't say that, that's terrible. I had this like beautiful clarity that I had never had before. I thought your body can't be fat. I'm using air quotes. I think it, I, I heard her say it. I don't know if it's her actual quote, but I heard Glennon Doyle say years ago, you're not fat because women and men will say like, I'm fat. And she said, you're not fat. You have fat. You also have fingernails. That doesn't make you fingernails. And that was like such a brilliant quote, which I think is hers, but if it's someone else's, Google it. But yesterday I was doing this yoga class and I had that thought and I was like, wait, your body can't be fat because fat on your body, weight on your body, inflammation in your body, water weight in your body, all of that bloating, all of it is transient, meaning it doesn't stay, right? Like it it doesn't, that doesn't stay in your body. Your bones 
stay in your body. Muscles, brain, organs, those are locked in. As long as you're living, those things are your body. But fat comes and goes. We all know this. If you're anything like me, you fluctuate several pounds over the course of a month given whatever's going on in your body. So I just had this like, oh my God, you're making your body this thing that you have decided is wrong or you have decided is representative. Because for me to look in the mirror and say, my body is fat, it's not about the weight, right? Like if I was like, oh, I had a great summer and I was having like beer every day and whatever, I'd be like, all right, holla, let's get back in shape. The reason that I was being so hard on it was because it was like, oh, this is the weight that I put on because I was pregnant. And so I was having some weird reaction to that. And I don't even know if I'm making total sense, but I just wanted to share that with you guys because it was really helpful for me to think, to separate myself from the things in my body that are not lasting. Honor your body, the bones, the muscles, the brain, the heart, that gut instinct. Honor those parts of yourself that are lasting and separate the idea that something that can come and go could, should, or would ever define you. That was really helpful for me yesterday. And I hope that it makes sense, but maybe even just one person like resonated with that. But my body carried me through a yoga class yesterday and it was hard and I was shaky and I had to many times augment the move to be able to stay in there, but I got through it and I felt so good when it was over. I also think that's a a really important reminder is that you always feel better on the other side of movement that you love. Notice I said movement that you love, exercise that you love. You always are going to feel better on the other side of it. So if you can get yourself to the other side of it, if you can focus on that, you're going to feel so much better. The other thing that I've been thinking about a lot as it pertains to health is what prevents us from being the ideal health, the ideal body, the ideal energy, mindset, any of it. Like what stops us from being that version of ourselves. And I've read a few things lately that I'm like, my mind's exploding about this. Not that I haven't heard of it before, but that I'm just sort of taking a deeper dive on identity and self-image and the way that we look at ourselves. And honestly, it really aligns. Like I'm reading a pretty heavily scientific book right now, but it's shocking to me how much the idea of self-image and what we believe about ourselves really (laughs) lines up with all of the studying I did on manifesting and law of attraction at the end of last year. Like I just sort of giggle to myself. The more that I study, the more I'm like, oh, all everybody's saying the same thing. Like the, we hold these truths to be self-evident. There's 10 things that in life over and over and over are just capital T truths, and everybody's saying it in a bunch of different ways. But I've been reading a ton on identity and self-image, and 
self-sabotage. And y'all, if you haven't studied this much, I, I want to encourage you to look into it. But I'm going to sort of cliff's notes it for you real quick. You are incapable as a human being. Every decision that you make, conscious, unconscious, whatever, aligns with who you perceive yourself to be. Whatever self-image you have is what you consistently live out in a day. And it is impossible for you to make decisions consistently. You can do it one or two times, but to consistently make decisions that do not align with who you think you are. So this happens a lot at the beginning of a year. It's January. People get a gym membership. Here I go. I'm finally going to do this thing. And they go three times and never again. It's because they do not identify as the kind of person who works out consistently, or they don't identify as a runner, or they tell themselves that they're a quitter and they give up on everything. And whether it's conscious or not, you are living out every single day, making choices based on who you think you are, which can be really brutal if you are consistently making choices that sabotage yourself. Or if you make choices that you think are terrible when you step back and look at them, it's because that's who you believe you are or that's what you believe you're worth. That's the value that you think that you have. That's what you're bringing into each and every day. So if you want to change your life, if you want to change your health, if you want to achieve a goal, whatever it is, you can't just set the goal. You can't just work toward it. You have to actually change the perception you have of yourself. There's this great book called Psycho-Cybernetics. I was reminded of, I was listening to my friend Russell Brunson's podcast the other day, and they were talking about it, and I was reminded of this book. And it's so good, you guys, if you've never read it. It's a little bit more, it's not as like lovey-feely. It's written by a doctor, but it's really interesting and compelling. Basically, this guy is a plastic surgeon for years. And in his practice, in his plastic surgery practice, he starts to notice that when he changes someone's face with plastic surgery, even a little tiny bit, that their life would get better. So they'd have plastic surgery to like fix their nose or like, I don't know, give them a facelift or something. And when they did that, all these things about their life would improve. And he was looking at that going, wait a minute, what? why? Like, why is this happening? I'm like giving someone a nose job. And then all of a sudden, a year later, they're like president of their company. And so he set out to try and figure out what was the psychology behind someone's physical image affecting their life. And what he found is that your physical image is so tied in with your self-image, who you think you are, that when you changed or elevated your physical appearance, it changed or elevated the image you had of yourself. So all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, I'm, I am smarter, I'm stronger, I'm cooler, I'm outgoing. And once you changed your self-image, then you start acting in ways that are aligned with the image you have of yourself. Here is a dumb but very real example of this. I got hair extensions for years ago. Okay. So there are pictures of me of so many pictures because I was a blogger for years and years and years. And my natural hair is wavy and very fine. 
So it's thin. It's like super thin hair. And I also didn't really know how to style my hair. And it just, it, whatever, there it was. And I would always look at women who had this like long, gorgeous hair. And I would just be like, oh my gosh, that's so pretty. I love that hair. I love beach hair. I love mermaid hair. I love like, it's just such a vibe and I dig it so much. But I always thought like, that's not me. I could never, that is so vapid, that's so this, that's so that. But I really admired it. And one day I was like, I'm going to get hair extensions. Like what's the worst that happens? I get hair extensions. I don't like them. I take them out, whatever. And I went, I like did this research. I found this person. I went and got hair extensions. And I know someone, many of you maybe right now are rolling your freaking eyes and you're like, this is so effing stupid. Like who cares? No, but y'all literally it changed the way that I saw myself. It really did. And looks shouldn't matter, but they do to ourselves. So for me, I really wanted like mermaid hair and now I pay for it (laughs) on the regular. I have hair extensions. I'm the first person to tell you if you walked up to me in a grocery store, like the amount of women I've like shown my weave to just like, oh, here's what it is. It's keratin bonded. Here's how they do it. Like I'm really open about the fact that I have them. My actual hair is the same length as my extensions. They don't give me length. They just give me body because my hair is so fine. Anyway, for me, it was hair extensions. For a girlfriend of mine, it was a full sleeve tattoo. Like she went through a divorce. She wanted a giant tattoo. Her ex-husband had hated tattoos, so she never got it. And when she got divorced, she got this massive, and I mean massive tattoo. And all of a sudden, her identity shifted. It doesn't matter what the choice is and how you view yourself, but there are things that people do or you can do that will change your self-image. And also you can change your self-image without affecting your actual physical appearance, but it is a really easy hack. It's why if you've ever read studies about people who work out harder or work out better, I know this sounds dumb, but when they go to the gym wearing an outfit that they think looks cool. So if they're really into like baggy, oversized sweats, designer sweats, and they wear that to the gym, they're going to work out harder. If they're really into Lululemon and they splurge and they get those leggings and the sports bra and whatever, they'll have a better workout because they feel better about themselves. And also they've flipped a switch in their brain that says, I'm the kind of person who wears this to the gym. I'm the kind of person who does these things. Identity matters so much when it comes to shifting your health. If you feel like you keep setting goals for your health and you keep sabotaging yourself or you keep being inconsistent or you have a hard time staying on track, it's because who you perceive yourself to be is misaligned with the goal that you set for yourself. And you are never actually going to achieve the thing you want to achieve unless you change the way you see yourself. So one of the ways that you can do that is with a hack, like changing something in your physical appearance. I talked about tattoos. The first time that I got a tattoo, um, my ex-husband 
hated tattoos. He was so against them. And now he has them, but at the time he absolutely hated them. And when I got my first tattoo, he was devastated. He was so pissed and he was really upset. And I mean, he's talked about this, but like he cried, he hated it because he was like, you're changing and who are you and all of these things. And just as a quick side note, I think you should really pay attention in your life to areas where you really admire something or like something and you don't do it because you know that your partner or your friends or your parents don't like it. Like that is such a red flag for our ability to be free and to be who we are because you're making yourself smaller or you're blotting out who you are, your creative expression of yourself based on someone else feeling okay about you. I just went through this with my oldest. My oldest son is the most, oh my gosh, if we could all just have Jackson's sense of self-assurance and confidence in himself. He has his, he, oh my gosh, his own unique style. He loves vintage. He wears crazy t-shirts. Like his favorite t-shirt, he wears it all the time. Says <laughs> It's like world's best mom. And then the back is like, she drives, she cooks, she cleans. What he found it at like a Goodwill and he wears it all the time. He's 15 and he wears rings and he paints his nails. Oh gosh, maybe like six months ago. And he loves it. He like goes and gets manicures now with his friends and um, it's just his thing, right? Paints his nails. And he, for Thanksgiving, was going home like to California and was going to see family, my ex-husband's family, who's fairly conservative. And he had come back from that trip and I like picked him up and oh, I wasn't da, 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 da. And I noticed his nail polish was off. And I was like, it was the first time I had seen his nails not painted in months. I was like, hey, buddy, why is your nail polish off? And he's like, oh, I just, I didn't want to like deal with it. And I didn't have to explain. And I didn't want people asking me questions or like saying things or whatever. And I was like, okay, you get to be however you want to be. And you get to process and do things in whatever way feels good to you. But I really want to encourage you to never adjust something about yourself like that because you just don't want to get crap from your grandma. Like you're really always teaching others how to treat you. And when you change something about yourself in order to have them like you or have them feel okay or have them feel accepting of you, you're teaching them how to treat you. You're teaching them that that's okay. You're teaching them and yourself that you'll comply. And so I just, I'm like, buddy, you know, you you do it however you want to do it. But I just really want to encourage you. You get to be yourself. And like everybody, literally every adult who meets Jackson is like, my God, I wish I was that confident at that age. But there's this one area where he was sort of conforming to not be weird or different to people who might not understand it. And I will tell you guys that he did come back from Christmas he was with me for Christmas and then they were with their dad for New Year's. But 
I would just bright blue nail polish and toes. And I was like, hell yeah, brother, way to, way to be. I was really proud of him. So just as a side note, we are talking about health. And I do think creative expression and feeling like yourself is a really strong indication of mental well-being and emotional health. So don't ignore that. If there's something that you really love and admire and you think, oh my gosh, like I could never try it. Try it. Get the tattoo. Get the hair extension. Shave your head. Try and upgrade your style. I think that we all get in our heads and we think, what are people going to think about us? Like, first of all, nobody's thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. And secondly, if they are, like, maybe they're going to be like, oh, dang, I wish I had her courage to wear that outfit. Or I wish I could do my hair like that. Or you're never going to know. But this miracle thing happens when you hack by changing something physically, whether it's your clothes, you put on a piece of jewelry, you do your hair a different way, you have different style, it tricks your self-image in going like, oh, this is who we are. If you've ever, you know, gotten into a sport or started running or started doing CrossFit and you get involved in the community, like my yoga community, you get involved in a new community, all of a sudden you learn how do they talk? How do they dress? Where do they into? It changes the way you see yourself. So one of the ways you can hack that is to just make adjustments sort of before you're ready. It's like, just do the thing and see what happens. Identity is a huge piece of it. And pay attention to any area of your life where you're not doing something because you're worried about what perception would be. Okay, so along with self-image, another thing that prevents us from having the health that we want to have is resistance. Resistance. I really want to encourage you to get a book, The War of Art. Not The Art of War. That's Sun Tzu. That's a whole different thing. The War of Art, which is a very small book will be very easy for you to read and is meant to be about the creative process. But I swear to you, everyone can benefit from this book. Whether you're trying to get healthy, trying to start a small business, trying to create art, it is so good and so important. And the bulk of the book is about the idea of resistance. So he talks about the idea that most people think, man, I don't achieve my goals or I don't write on my book or I don't go to the gym or I don't do any of these things because I'm a piece of crap. I don't have the motivation. I don't have the willpower, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that you can separate yourself from it being about you. And he describes a sort of enemy of resistance. Resistance is this thing that you encounter every single day of your life in any area of your life where you want to achieve something new, you're going to encounter a force of resistance that will do anything to convince you that you should do the opposite of what you know you should do. It's like when you know that you need to get your workout in, but it's cold outside, but my feet hurt, but I have that meeting and I don't want sweaty hair for the thing. And like all, it doesn't matter. Resistance doesn't give a crap which excuse you choose. It just wants you to choose one. So in this book, every chapter is like one or two pages, very quick read. 
but each one approaches all of the different ways that resistance messes with our mind and makes us believe that we shouldn't pursue the thing. And every single day that you don't do the thing you said you were going to do, that you don't sit down and write, that you don't get your long run in, that you end up, you know, breaking the nutritional goals that you had, whatever it is, every single day resistance wins, it gets stronger. Every single day, it doesn't matter if I, I personally, Rach, your friend Rach right now, I've written 10 books. It still is a slog. It still sucks. I still have to sit down every single time and force myself to write the words. I battle resistance every day. You battle resistance every day. The question is, are you going to let it win? If you want this to be the year that you get healthy in your mind, your body, your spirit, you get that energy, you get that momentum, all of it, it means you're going to have to battle back against resistance. You are not the enemy. And that's the important thing to get because there's a good chance that you have a lifetime of beating yourself up for not being enough, not being strong enough, not having the willpower. If you can see it as, I need to change the way that I view myself and I need to battle this unseen force every single day. And every single day I get to put a tally mark on the wall and say, I freaking did it today. I beat resistance today every single day. The work doesn't get easier. But it is easier to stay inside the momentum of every single day showing up, of every single day doing the workout, of every single day writing the words. It's a really good book. Please grab it. Please grab it. I can't recommend it enough. The War of Art. The last thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to health is just to encourage you to look at health in a bigger way than maybe you have in the past. One of the beautiful things about being single as a grown-up, um, if you not if you're not familiar with my story, I met my ex-husband I was eight, when I was 18 and we were together for 18 years. So I really grew up and became an adult while married to him and he was older and so many of his worldviews became mine. That's just kind of a natural way when one personality is stronger and older and more mature, I just sort of absorbed the way that he looked at the world. And a really cool thing about being single for the first time as an adult was that I started to ask, what do I believe? What do I want? How do I want to live my life? How do how do I want to approach this? And what do I want to do? And just all of that. And it's scary because you're like, so I don't even know. But one of the things that you've probably noticed if you've been with me for a while in terms of reading my books or listening to the show is I've been on a really big spiritual journey. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I have felt like I'm exploring faith and spirituality in as this massive ocean where before I saw a cup of water. I was raised inside of the Christian faith, and there were so many beautiful things about that faith. And the lessons that you learn from Jesus and the lessons that are inside of the Bible. And then there are also really messed up things about the church. And I don't, I don't know that anybody would disagree with that. Like the there's sort of the faith and the lessons and the teaching, and then there's the church, which is how that kind of gets 
to the world and the church is created by humans and humans are flawed. And so there's just things that are twisted and warped around that. But one of the things that I feel like, and I'm not saying this about your upbringing if you grew up in the church, but in the church that I grew up in, I was taught that anything that wasn't how we were being raised was wrong. And not only wrong, but maybe evil. And I was taught to fear everything. I was taught that every other religion was like blasphemy and was, you know, you were going against God if you learned anything about Buddhism or learned anything about Hinduism or even just tried to understand other people's faith so that you could, you know, be a better human. And in the last two years, I've really, that has just expanded. I really feel like my spirituality and my faith and frankly, my relationship with God is an ocean and before it was a tiny cup of water. By asking bigger questions and believing that the creator and the source could hold them all, could hold my questions and my confusion and my wondering and my education, that's really powerful and was really cool. And the reason that I bring that up is because over the last two years, for the first time, I've started to explore different types of healings, different modalities, Eastern medicine, as opposed to just Western medicine. And I've, I haven't done everything, but I've done a lot. Like I've done acupuncture for the first time and Reiki and energy healing and talking to mediums, which you might've heard a couple weeks ago on the show or talking to psychics or um, just exploring everything and not exploring it as like, this is the answer to it all, but just like, I want to know what's out there. And when it comes to your health, there are so many healers. And I mean that in terms of, you know, people who can make you a tea or make you a tincture or know different supplements that you can take without having to take over the counter medicine all the way to someone who does Reiki. There's so many types of healing out there. And if you're struggling to find the answers to physical pain that you have in your body or emotional pain that you have in your body, I would love to encourage you to explore maybe things that you haven't before. Years ago, I had vertigo. I had debilitating vertigo for a year. A whole year I had vertigo. And I went to every doctor, brain scans, allergists, ENTs, I had everything done to try and figure out what was wrong with me and ended up going to a homeopathic doctor who was the first person that diagnosed it as an emotional problem, not a physical one. And the answer to my vertigo was therapy. And it it was gone within weeks after dealing with it for a year, nauseous for a year, falling over for a year, all of the sudden I was strong, I was whole, and it didn't require pill or surgery or anything bad. It was an emotional problem. And if I hadn't, it was the first time I ever explored a different kind of doctor. And he was like so weird. I mean, now he would probably, he's totally my vibe because I'm such a hippie. I'm like, I need to go back to that doctor. But at the time I was like, what is this dude with all of these crystals, with the Ganesh sculpture in the corner, with his silver ponytail, with his, like, this guy was in my brain. I was like, this guy's a weirdo. But that quote unquote weirdo changed my life. And so if you're dealing with a health issue right now, I just want you to hear me say that maybe you need to approach it in an alternative way. So that's that's my last 
you know, sort of piece for you guys today is that I hope that you'll explore health on a bigger plane in 2022 than you ever have before. And I hope that you will remember that health isn't just what's going on in your body. And it for sure is not the size of jeans that you wear. Health is how you feel, not how you look. So as you head into this new year, ask yourself, how do I want to feel inside of each and every day? And then create a life that will help you achieve that. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that it was a blessing to you or you heard a little tidbit that you really liked. If you dig it, I'd super appreciate if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tell people what's up. Or you can also send it to a friend that you think would really benefit from it as well. Until the next episode, this is Rach. I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Rachel Hollis. The show is produced by Sterling Coates and edited by Andrew Weller.